Welcome everyone, this is the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. Go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about both ministries and to gain access to the archives of this radio program and archives of full-length sermons as well. I'm glad you've joined us. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and as we go into our study today, we ask the Spirit of God to open hearts to His truth, and we continue a consideration of what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. The point we'll begin with is important. In the kingdom of God, God defines the kingdom. He makes the kingdom, and not the other way around. Jesus referred to this kingdom as my kingdom. He is God, and you can't make him your king, but you can bow before him, and through faith in him, he will bring you into his kingdom. Jesus taught that in the kingdom of God, the king makes the kingdom. I'll explain this to you in just a moment. In the kingdom of God, the king makes the kingdom. It's usually not that way, it's the other way around. Usually it's the kingdom that makes the king. If you've got a king of Norway, it's Norway that makes the king the king of Norway. It is Spain that makes the king of Spain the king of Spain. It's Cambodia that makes the king of Cambodia the king of Cambodia. But in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, it's God who makes the kingdom. The greater defines the lesser. Norway defines the king of Norway. England defines the king of England. Spain defines the king of Spain. Thailand defines the king of Thailand. Without Thailand, he's not a king. God defines the kingdom. God is greater than the kingdom. So when you read the Old Testament references to the various kings and how the people of Israel came to receive a king, it would say that they made that person their king. They made Saul their king. The kingdom, the people made Saul their king. The people, the kingdom made David their king. The people made Solomon their king. And on and on and on you'll see. In fact, after the Lord Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes for the 5,000, we're told that they tried to take and seize Jesus by force and make him their king. But they couldn't do it. He wouldn't let them. He wouldn't let them do it because he was greater than them. They couldn't make him king, but he could make them into his kingdom. He was the greater. They were the lesser. This is what the Lord Jesus was teaching above everything else. As a result, the Lord's teaching and instruction was all about the manner in which he as king would make people into his kingdom how he would establish his kingdom. And it was instruction on the rule and the way that he would preside in his kingdom. So when Nicodemus comes to the Lord Jesus at night, the Lord Jesus immediately tells him in John 3, 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't make Jesus king, but he can make you fit for his kingdom. You've got to be born again. You've got to start all over again and receive a brand new life for you even to begin to get a glimpse of and understand the kingdom of God. And then the Lord Jesus begins to expand upon how that takes place. I'm going to be lifted up and all eyes are to look upon me and see me. He's the king. Actually, if, if you read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where you have the Beatitudes that the Lord Jesus preached and the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord Jesus preached, you'll see that all of it is involved in the Lord Jesus' instruction on how it is that we are made into the kingdom or, brought, or an individual is brought into the kingdom. The Beatitudes can actually be understood as a study of what it looks like when you're born again of the Spirit of God. That very thing that he said to, to Nicodemus, you must be born again of the Spirit of God 
And the Beatitudes tell us and show us the process in a sense in which the Spirit of God leads us into that new birth. He says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Then he says, for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's something future. It's something to be realized, and this is what you have to go through. When a person is born again of God, what happens is, They're stripped of all of their self-righteousness. They become aware of their complete and total sinfulness, and in that moment, they're poor. And in their spiritual poverty, they then mourn that spiritual bankruptcy in their lives. And as a result of that mourning, recognizing their deep, profound spiritual poverty, they become meek. That is, they abandon all of their self-promoting, self-defending, self-asserting ways. This leads them to hunger for something outside of themselves. They're not resting and trusting in something they find in themselves. They're hungering and thirsting for a righteousness that's outside of themselves. They're filled with that righteousness. They receive that righteousness by faith. And the principle of the rule of the king begins to be activated in their life. They receive mercy from God. And as a result, they express this transformation in their life in mercifulness to others, in purity of heart, in peacemaking, in a righteousness that rises out of the name of Jesus Christ and that, oddly enough, these attributes these traits as they rise up in their life make them the object of the world's scorn and persecution this is the way that the king makes you into his kingdom if you read the sermon on the mount matthews chapter 5 6 and 7 you'll see that you'll begin to understand that what the lord is showing us and demonstrating is how it is that a man how god works in a person's life to strip them of their own self-righteousness to bring them in a state of profound poverty in order that they might look to him so that he might transform them and change them and make them into his kingdom he says things like You've heard it said that you should not commit murder, but I say if you think of a person as a fool, you've committed murder in your heart. You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that if you look upon a person with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. You've heard it said to love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who are persecuting, your persecutors. He says to him, listen, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will never be able to enter into the kingdom of God. He caps it off by saying, here's the command, be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect. You read those things, you don't pick up the sermon and say, I can do that, I can do that, I'm almost there, I'm getting there, I'll make it, I'll earn the kingdom. You say, I can't do any of this. I failed in all these things. I'm under God's judgment. There's no way in the minds of the people of Israel that they thought they could exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. That was their full-time job. They'll never be able to do these things precisely. You become poor. You recognize you have no power in yourself to save yourself. You give up in all of your arguments for yourself. You, uh, you mourn your situation. You stop defending yourself and projecting yourself and thinking that you can earn it. You cry out for a righteousness that is not of yourself. That's the work of the Holy Spirit bringing you to the ground and place in which God makes you and fashions you into his kingdom. So again, listen, the kingdom does not make the king. The king makes us for and prepares us and brings us into his kingdom. Here's a third thing that the Lord Jesus taught. He taught that his kingdom, because we've said all this, we can understand it this way, that Jesus taught his kingdom was first spiritual before it was physical. It was first spiritual before it was physical. We had first to be made spiritually new, 
and brought in order to be made and brought into the kingdom. And in this way, it was only through this movement of the Spirit upon us transforming us from the inside out that we would then advance through human history the expression of God's kingdom in the world in which we lived. Again, when the Lord Jesus was speaking to those Pharisees, he said, the kingdom does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. And in this we can understand that he's laying down a principle of how his kingdom advances in human history. It would rise from those who submitted to him as king. It would rise as he, the king, began to inhabit and fill their life. It would rise when he came near to them and lived with them and abode within their presence. And then his life would bring out from their life an expression of his kingdom. It would come as they submitted to him as king. He would bring his presence to that person who's been newborn, that person who has received a new life through the Spirit of God, and he would live in them, and he would live through them, the virtues of his kingly life and his rule, and then quietly and imperceptibly, almost invisibly in the world in which they live, the kingdom of God would find its expression. It would be expressed while surrounded by contradictions and resistance and the enemy's attack. And so the Lord Jesus in his parables will say over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is like this and it's like that. And it's almost always a picture of a resistance and challenges and the enemy's attacks and the difficulties they face. And yet this, this expression of this mysterious form of the kingdom advancing from the presence of the king in their lives. They were expecting this triumphant king with the crown to rise up and come in and this was going to be the king that was going to rescue them. And the Lord Jesus appears before them as this humble carpenter, and they didn't understand it. You tell us where the kingdom is. Well, you won't recognize it, but it's right in the middle of you. The world is actually still expecting this. Some dynamic leader to take hold of them. Churches actually oftentimes try to promote Jesus in that way. They try to pump up the fanfare as loud as possible because if we can just show that we're more triumphant than everybody else, we can demonstrate we've got the kingdom. And No, it's just this quiet, hidden Expression of the life, the transforming life of the Savior in us, living within us. He comes first, you might say, crowned with a crown of thorns to bear our sins and agonize and dies for us. He's coming again, but first he expresses himself as this humble Savior who was broken and taken into the cross in order to bear for our sins. And this is how the kingdom expression begins to be expressed. Read Mark chapter 4. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Because it was this quiet thing, Jesus expresses it as a mystery that oftentimes he expresses it as a mystery that was moving out through human history. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Jesus writes, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Because the kingdom is spiritual first, it doesn't go forward by systems. It, doesn't, it isn't produced by politics. It's not brought about by advertising campaigns. It's not orchestrated by human endeavor and manipulation. You can't somehow bring the kingdom into reality by your own power and your own effort. We should learn from that. Because it's spiritual, it first must grow spiritually. 
There is a physical evidence of it. There is the blade that comes. There is the full head of wheat that, and the fruit that ultimately reveal itself. But at first, as it progresses and moves forward, it's silent and quiet and you can't always see it because it's the internal working of the Spirit of God in the individual heart. And you can't produce it or try to create it as a product of your strategies. It's somewhat mysterious. It works by the Spirit of God. It takes place when the king transforms people with a new birth to be born again, to come into his kingdom. We should pray instead, God, help us to be faithful at casting the seed of the good news. Oh, God, let us be faithful in casting the seed in your good time and your planning. Oh, God, please as well, give us the joy, the delight to, to harvest, to bring in a reap a harvest. Jesus is the king. He is, in essence, the kingdom, for he makes it. We don't make him king. We surrender to him as king. And through trusting faith in his good news, he makes us his quiet, hidden kingdom in the age in which we live. That's how it's working right now. That's how it's present. And in the midst of that, there's resistance and there's difficulty, but our lives become this quiet expression and evidence of the king. Here's the fourth thing. Jesus taught that the kingdom stood outside and beyond all of human history. Jesus taught that the kingdom stood outside and beyond all of human history. The kingdom of God is God ruling and reigning. It's larger than Israel, although God has a plan for Israel. It's larger than the church, though right now the church, this little church represents an expression of the kingdom of God. It's larger than you, although you can be an expression, a mysterious expression of God's kingdom. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.